back again. Thought we had it right, but it's nothing like a second opinion. You feel me? So tonight we're going to bring in a new guest, a new team member to the sick network and he's going to tell us how we really did when breaking down our picks a few weeks ago sammy bang that turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the sick podcast and bill show The sickest Indianapolis Colts podcast. It's going to be sick. Sick, sick, Yes, sir. Welcome back to another sick podcast. Let me get ready to bring the boys in. Pat Acosta. What up, y'all? Anyway, which I'm going to speak at the, at the same time. Like, who's who's talking first? <laughs> I didn't hear nothing y'all said. What up? Okay, there you go. How are you today, sir? There it is. All right, man. Well, this is going to be a fun episode of the Sick Podcast Anvil Show because for the first time, we actually are going to have a guest in our midst tonight. So, Sammy, go ahead and bring in the draft Vogel, please. What's up? John, right? Yeah, gentlemen, it's an honor. It's a pleasure. Let's enjoy this. I appreciate your time. Before we even get started with any of that, man, uh, we got to kind of introduce you to how we do things. So what I probably should have did is did this first. This is how we welcome anybody or change topics. And for all of you that don't know, that's just a simple anvil. That's our theme. That's what we do. Um, We bang that bitch. We bring it every time, man. So welcome to the Forge tonight. Uh, it's glad to have you. So before we even jump into it, we'll let you, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. So you are going to join sick, correct? Yeah. Uh, as far as I am tracking <laughs> Sandy back there, probably is going to k- kill me for saying that, but, uh, no, man, it, we're going to do a really awesome NFL draft show. That's going to be year round. It's going to be a little bit different than everything out there in the sense that there's a lot of draft podcasts where they talk about their opinions and they talk about players and all this good stuff. But I always kind of learned that uh, you want to, you want to, you want to teach a man to fish. You don't want to just give him a fish. And so what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to teach people about how they scout, uh, what you're looking for in NFL players. And you're looking at them in college or even, you know, we'll get into some minor league stuff too, because right now they're pumping, I think, this year we're projected to put 60 players into the NFL between the XFL and the USFL combined. Uh, there might be a few that sneak in from Canada as well. So there's always a bunch of different alt league players that are coming up too, but it's just basically what are you looking for in different in these players? And then using the popular examples of whatever's relevant at the time right? to kind of show people, Hey, this is what you're looking for. This is that prototype blah blah blah. Here's how we do it kind of thing. And it was really inspired because, uh, I'm one of my the real guy that really mentored me, Mark Gorsak, who uh, is the face of the combine, as some people like to call him, longtime Pittsburgh Steelers scout. He just kind of basically said, you know, if we don't teach people how we do what we do, if we don't pass on the knowledge, uh, we're doing the players a disservice, not just everyone else around us. So that's what we're going to try to do with it. Man, that's super dope, man. Like a real insider that's a part of the team. So no more second guessing or no more just asking <laughs> any questions. We come into the Vogel, man, every year, bro. Really, that's what's up. So uh, 
I can't wait to start watching your show, man. Officially welcome to Sick Bro. Love to have you. So, uh, but what we're gonna do tonight because we did this a couple weeks ago, we novices here broke down our players, right? So now that we have a true guide that's stats and just knowledge of the game in a different mindset, we're gonna have you walk us through what we did, uh, and then we could just start from the top and run them all the way down, or we can only hit the big ones. You tell us what you want to do tonight, man. So, hey guys, this is your show. So right. you tell me who you want to talk about, and I'll get into it. Let's go. Shit. Well, we're going to get right into it. Don't even waste no time. We'll start with pick number four overall, which was, you know, the quarterback that we're hoping will bring us back into prominence. So, Anthony Richardson, what's your take on him? Yeah. So, throughout the process, this was the place I wanted to see him go the most. That's all right. <laughs> exactly. Because, and it's because, you know, going out and get, hiring Shane Steichen this year, that's a, offensive-minded guy that built a really good system for Jalen Hurts, who came out of college as a developing passer who had some athletic ability and could run pretty well um, outside of the pocket. You could use him as a designed runner, that kind of same similar skill set, but in a smaller body, not as electric of an arm. Uh, this is basically taking Jalen Hurts and adding a couple inches and throwing 20 pounds onto him and making his arms stronger and making him more athletic. That's Anthony Richardson. And so I think that that's the real question with the Colts is they're going to keep with the, the same type of offense that they designed for Jalen. Go back and look at what they did. The idea was we want We need him to get through his reads as fast as we possibly can. And the way that you do that is you design plays so that you have beaters. Okay. Whether it's a two, a two high beater, you got a three high beater, you've got a man coverage beater, uh, and then you got your check down. So you got basic beaters across the board, routes that are going to beat those specific types of concepts. Uh, when you get to that point, as a quarterback, all you have to do is read the coverage, you figure out how many deep defenders there are, and you go straight to the beater for it. And so that's what the Eagles did to get Jalen getting the ball out faster. And all he really had to do was work on hitting a spot. Mm. And so... That was how he developed into an accurate passer. And you can do the same thing with Richardson because the only real reason, the only real issue that he has is consistency through his drops. Uh, There's a friend of mine, Justin Gamble. We talked about this stuff on a podcast back, I think, in February. A lot of times when you look at a project quarterback, you see, oh, they don't work the pocket very well, or oh, they just, their release is all messed up. Their upper body mechanics are messed up and need work. You don't see these types of things with Richardson. He's very comfortable working in a condensed pocket. He's got a good release. It's all in his base. It's all in his feet. And so once you get that habit built, which you have a really good chance you're going to get it because he's only started 13 games in college, uh, all, all, you're gonna, he's going to kill it. He's going to be a great passer. And so uh, I think with that athletic ability, with the, the arm strength to push the ball as far as he can down the field, which it looks to be upward of 70, 80 yards, which is elite arm talent in the NFL. Ridiculous. It, yeah. If the, the upside, the potential is limitless. Okay, boys, let's kick it around. So Pat, I mean, we're sitting here talking to someone who has an analysis background. What are your positions on Anthony Richardson that you may have a question for the Vogel? Well, I think you answered a lot of my questions that, from your opening statement about him uh, because all through the combine, 
leading all the way up into the draft, you always heard how much of a project he is and how he's got to do this and how he's got to do that. And basically you're saying his weakest spot is his feet, nothing else. Feet can be fixed like that. That's, that's a muscle memory uh, situation that if you, we got the right coach to fix that, you know? So the biggest question comes, how is the people I watch on NFL Network, ESPN, this and that, why are they so convinced that he is a two, three-year project and then he can be a great quarterback? But you're seeing something totally different. And can you, can you tell me how, the, how you see it different versus them? So there's, there's always having a conservative mindset as an analyst, right? Especially when you're on a big stage like NFL Network. Uh, ESPN, those types of player places. I don't have that 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 um, limitation, I guess you could say, where I can say I can look at my projection and go, all right, here's some guys that we've watched over the last couple of years that developed their feet, uh, that had very poor footwork coming out of college. Josh Allen, it's the number one that comes off the board, Absolutely. and you saw the immediate you know progression with uh, with him just through the pre draft process, him getting better. Every single time that you saw him, whether it was at the his last game in the Idaho Potato Bowl, and then there was the he comes up and goes to the the combine, and then his pro day, it was like every time you saw him, his feet looked better. Now Richardson, you didn't see that kind of growth or progression through the pre-draft process. In fact, the, my biggest question when I went to the combine was: Is this a guy that has the work ethic and the drive to go get this done? And the, the answer I got, Emery Hunt, CBS Sports, he's a good friend of mine, um, NFL draft guy over there. And we, I was talking to him about it, and he was telling me about when they were at Florida, um, that, first, that last year of Dan Mullen as the head coach, before they brought in the new staff and they fired Mullen and he became an ESPN analyst, they were, they were trying to keep this guy off the field. In fact, they started him in the worst game they possibly could have started him, which was against Georgia, who won the national championship. Right. All right. That was his 13th start. He only started 12 games last year. He didn't do the bowl game. Jack Miller did. Um, so that was his 13th. That was his first ever start. And they benched him halfway through the game and put in uh, Emory Jones. So their guy was Emory Jones the entire year. He ends up transferring, goes to Arizona State. Now he's transferred again. He's gone to Cincinnati. Um, kind of tells you that there's probably a little bit of a problem. Now he fought through that, that adversity and worked through it and did everything that he could to become better. I just think that the staff that was in there wasn't an entirely competent staff to coach a quarterback uh, and to develop one properly. And you see that because there's times that he gets through a drop on a timing route and he looks great. There's other times when he doesn't, you know, and it's just getting that consistency down. So, yeah, there's what you're kind of projecting is typically it takes two to three years to get a quarterback up to speed with a, with their feet, with their feet consistently, and a lot of times you're breaking muscle memory because they've got twenty plus starts. They've built these habits in the pressure situations, and I think the Richardson's kind of at a point where thirteen starts is not a lot to build a lot of muscle memory on. So there's good leeway there to start to craft new habits for him with the way that he goes through his drops and with his feet. Interesting. 
Now that's now, so that's depth, you know. Like I think we all watch, and we watch from because I remember we were talking about this. Like when I first seen Richardson, I mentioned it to the guys. I was like, "Yo, what about this kid?" Then I started thinking about all the bigger picture stuff. Nothing on your level, but oh, he only has thirteen games. Oh, you know, like look at his completion percentage. Not understanding that there's way much to go. There's way more that goes in it than just that number, right? Like Florida was also correct me if I'm wrong. Like top in the nation in drops too. Right. So mm-hmm. they were uh, among the top. And then yeah, I think the average depth of target was very high too, because they're trying yeah. to utilize his arm strength. There's a lot yeah. of teams, they get their quarterbacks up to 65% completion percentage because they're throwing two, three yard throws oh, or screens yeah. or little things that are set up that Florida didn't run a lot of. Right. Yeah. You now, see can I ask a, Can I ask a question, Claude? Yes, sir. Uh, because you, you brought up the stats about the drops. Um, when you're grading these guys and, these scouts and everybody else, do they really take that in consideration? Do they go back and watch all the games and said, Oh, that guy should have had that, you know, there's a percent. Oh, that guy shouldn't have dropped that one. And, and you add those shouldn't have to his percentage to get an actual. Not really. You do take it into account just because it's important to mind, right. In the sense that, okay, well you're using the drops as a potential analyzer for the receiver group that he had, that he was throwing to. Uh, we talk about that all the time with quarterbacks. Well, you got to have good receivers, people that can catch the ball, right? You can put the ball in the right place, but if you don't have the guy to catch it, then it doesn't look good on the stat sheet, whatever. But So that's something that is taken into consideration. Now, in terms of do they go back and watch every game? I guarantee you the Colts did because they were interested in this guy. And they, that's part of the research that you do is you go back and you look at every single game. You try to figure out every single snap about him and go, all right, well, how much do, how much do we weigh into this? You know, Because you're taking in a million different factors and you're trying to project where he's going to be as an NFL player, which is a very difficult thing to do. That's why you only see 50% at best uh, hits on your draft picks because you're trying to project guys – that are playing against a lot of amateurs that aren't going to play professionally, what they're going to do against other professionals. And so because of that, it's just, it's crazy. Understood. Country, jump in there. What do you got to ask the Vogel about AR? Uh, my question becomes, um, when it comes to the football IQ, knowing he only started 13 games, so how would like an NFL team or even yourself like go about you know, evaluating his football IQ only uh, having 13 starts? So I'm going to look at the coverages that they were that they were up against, and then I'm going to watch. I'm going to go through the route combinations that they ran, and then how did he react to them? And I think that there was enough improvement from week one of last year to week 13 or 14, whatever it was that they they played their last game against Florida State. In the Florida State game, I think he only had 33 percent completion percentage, but he hit his one of his craziest awesome balls to Ricky Pearson over the shoulder, perfect placement, beautiful throw. It's on all the highlight reels. Um, That's a lot of it. I think just kind of goes back to, like I said, the feet, right. And it's not that he's not making the proper decisions. It's that when you're throwing a timing route, I'm going to use a time. There's several types, right? You've got an an out route. A quick out is a timing route. There's a three step. As soon as you hit your hitch step, you're stepping up and you're making the throw. Uh, If you don't, you're going to, that, that dude's going to be trying to tiptoe the sideline to make the catch. Um, curl route's another one. 
the whole idea of a curl route is you're selling, I'm going to run up field as a receiver, and then you're coming back to the quarterback. That ball needs to be there when you're coming back to it. And so that's a timing concept that you got to have your feet right. Three-foot step or three-step drop, bam, ball out. As soon as you hit your hitch step, and it has to be in that spot. Um, I don't see a lot of things that are bad from him on that aspect, like bad reads, bad decisions. Every quarterback has a few of them that they make for sure. They don't see the coverages and all that. But that's how I would evaluate it is looking at the coverages combination with a, the, well, the coverages and the route combinations combined, what the best read is to that, and then looking at how it was played. Yeah, I think when I when I look at that too, like I don't see – now, again, he makes mistakes, and there's been some moments where you're like, okay, that was – mechanics are bad. But I don't just see like a lot of like erratic play where it's just like, oh, that was a – he made a great pass, but look at his body. That was luck, right? Like he was just off, off rhythm. He was off everything. Like sometimes players, their big play capability will give them a pass. I think a lot of, uh, and I may be wrong here, but when I watched Lamar at Louisville, I, I seen a lot of that. Like a lot of his stuff was just made up. And then people were like, I don't know if you're really getting a, a true quarterback or you get more of a running back. Hence the whole, are we going to switch his position once he came to the league? He's like, no, I'm a quarterback. I don't see a lot of that with Anthony Richardson. So a lot of people are saying, oh, we just got a big, a big Derrick Henry type running back playing quarterback. I'm like, nah, this, this kid's a quarterback. But like you said, there's fine things to tune, but it's, it doesn't look too erratic to me. So to correct me if I'm wrong there when you watch it. Yeah, no. And, and it's interesting that you bring up Lamar because Lamar has been taught to play quarterback that way his mm-hmm. entire career, you know? So with Richardson, you've got, he probably, I would imagine in high school, I didn't go back and look at the high school if I'm being honest, but I would imagine in high school, they used his athletic ability a lot. Oh, yeah. Because it's it's ridiculous. I mean, you we saw it at the combine. Um, now that being said, if he's been if you've got a coaching staff that's trying to teach him to play quarterback differently, then then he's been taught his entire life, which I would imagine Florida probably did because they wanted more of a pocket passer, someone who could work from the pocket and this and that. That's an issue. Whereas with Lamar, when you look at him, everywhere that he's been, they've just let him play quarterback that way. Even Baltimore. You know, Baltimore has built an offense that allows him to continue to play quarterback that way. So with all that into consideration, I think that with Richardson, you're you're getting that hybrid mix. And I I know I keep saying Jalen Hurts, right? Because and it's not just because Jalen just went to the Super Bowl and, you know, popped out of nowhere and was doubted and all that. I'm not talking about all that. I'm just talking about from a skill set standpoint. I think that they're very similar players. It's just that Richardson has the upgrade on most everything else. Understood. Okay, so before we switch gears and move into our next player, I think we'll only cover like two or three. Uh, well, we got to ask, like, how do you rank him out of the guys that are drafted this year? Like, where where is he? Oh, on he's, two. he's two. He's two. Yeah, so it was Young was number one because, really? okay, yeah, no, his improv ability. I mean, his combined with his his intelligence is ridiculous. There's no doubt that he should have been number one pick in my mind. And then Richardson's two. And then I think that um, if you had to shake out the rest, three probably would be Stroud and four would be Levis out of those top four. That's interesting, like, that you have him. Like, real quick, could you tell us why he's above Stroud? Because I think you may be the only one I've heard say that. Like, Yeah, so um, the, the thing with Stroud is he's a very conservative type quarterback. And he also benefited from having one of the best receiver groups really Uh ever of all time in college football. Um, When you, when you're conservative as a quarterback, 
that's not a bad thing. I mean, you can look at guys that have they've been successful doing that. Jim uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty conservative as a quarterback. Jared Goff's pretty conservative. You got guys that have made successful careers doing that, but we've only seen him one time, one game, come out and play balls to the wall aggressively, and that was against Georgia, Georgia. his last game. And they had to. I do. never saw that ever <laughs> at any other point, right? And you know, when you look at the pressure situations, when they lost to Michigan both years, he's making cool. mistakes when the pressures are turned on. You know, so so that's a concern to me. Um, I just like the big play upside with Richardson. I like the fact that he's just a better – he has better tools to work with, you know, uh, with between the arm, between the athletic ability, between the speed. Um, I think that there's just a higher upside there. I think that Richardson, we look back on this five, ten years from now, we're going, yeah, they probably should have picked Richardson over Stroud because that's the whole idea of being a scout is you're projecting where you think these guys will be. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting because I think everybody here – we kind of were all over the place on who our number one was. But for me, it was Stroud. And I think that's because I watched him more closely, being that I'm a Michigan guy and I just hate Ohio State. <laughs> and I was critiquing trying, to, trying, to, trying to eliminate your bias by <laughs> loving your enemy. I, get I know, it. right? It's kind of wild. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? But no, so uh, yeah, but cool, man. That's, that's a great breakdown. So for all that are going to listen, I mean, look, he gave us way more insight than what we talked about before. Um, and it wasn't just opinion-based, so hey, it's had some facts in there with other stuff that we didn't even touch on. So I appreciate that, man. But we'll move on now to our second position, and uh, I'll start with you, Acosta. So our second position of need, which we addressed, was cornerback. We take Julius Brent, um, hometown hometown kid from Indy, um, transferred from Iowa, I believe, ended in Kansas State, Um one of those big guys, a Gus guy, a Gus Bradley guy with his size. Um, so, Country, I'll let you open the floor with, uh, you know, your thoughts on on uh, what the draft vocal feels about Julius. I guess my question would become, um, would Julius, in the scheme that he would be playing with Gus, would be – oh, shoot, I had a couple, I think. Come back to me. Circle back to me. Pat, go ahead. <laughs> Nope, you got to do it now. <laughs> right now. No. <laughs> I was like, who do you tell me what to do, sir? Well, this kind of goes with Julius, but it's kind of an overall question in the draft uh, because in my mock drafts, I had Julius going a lot sooner than what he went. What is it that's making these kids in the draft, you know, like Julius, either – go up, go down, you know, how does that all play out with players like that? So if you're referring I mean, to and, – and, and I don't mean to interrupt, but you can you can take Levis in that too, you know, because everybody expected him to go, you know, pretty high up, and he didn't go until the second day. But yeah. you, see what, you see where I'm trying to get that understanding from? Yeah, so there's a couple things that kind of factor in. So if we're referring to – the rise and fall per se of prospects throughout a draft cycle, there really isn't a lot of movement on NFL boards. Um, the movement that you hear about is different opinions coming out because you got to think that there's 32 decision makers that all have 32 different opinions about guys. Uh, it's very rare that you're going to find a guy that has 32 first round grades, even Bryce Young. There are teams that had him written up as a fifth round pick because that's how he fits in their system. Oh, I see. you know, so you have so many different systems. You have so many different schools of thought all 
working together. And then you have the media getting these little sound bites every once in a while. And it's, Oh, this guy's all the way up here. Oh, I talked to this scout and he's down here, you know? And so there is a wide range for every player that goes into the draft. Now with Julius, I don't, I know that there were some people that thought that he was going to be a first round pick. I never got that. I never thought that there was that much interest, especially with the corners that were in front of him that were available uh, between Emmanuel Forbes, like Forbes going in the first round was not a shocker to me, especially as high as he did. He had guy positions incredibly well, no matter what um, Joey Porter, Jr. Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, these types of guys are all better than Brent's. And so I was expecting them to go. And then you also have to kind of look at how the board falls. How many openings are there where people are going to be prioritizing cornerback in the first round? Uh, there weren't that many teams that were going to be prioritizing that. So that told me to expect four, maybe five at tops. And I think we saw what four come off the board in the first round. So it, it's really all about need. It's all about taking kind of marrying need and talent and then taking 32 different opinions and playing matchmaker with them and looking at, Oh, this guy fits here. Or that guy fits there. Do they like him? They might not like him. They might not like the tape that they saw. Or they didn't like the person that he was when they interviewed. There's so many there. Like I said, there's a million different factors that come into draft and there's really not a lot of movement in individual NFL teams. The media trying to figure out what NFL teams think of guys kind of create that up fall rise fall type effect. So when I think about that, um, and I, and I guess, so when you look at all the guys that you just mentioned, um, how do you grade like when it comes to size? Cause all those guys are in like way different categories of size. So we look at what we need per team, like you said, right? So Gus Bradley likes the bigger corner, likes to play a lot of man, you know, fight at the line type situation. But when you're just grinding, when you're just grading, not thinking about what a team wants, like what, what are you looking at? Is it, is it athleticism? Cause you know, like the Colts had another crazy RAS score year, but, or is it just like actually like, like looking at plays, like this was a bad play, take too many risks here. You know, I think about the kid digs in, in uh, Dallas, yeah. like either that kid's really good one day or he looks terrible. <laughs> you know, he's like, there's no in between. So when you grading the guy, like a, like a corner, like, what are you looking at? Like, is it, is it size athleticism? Is it just play? Cause I mean, one of those guys. Well, who was the short corner? That went. Is it Forbes? Is he six? Six one. Gonzalez, I think, was just under six foot. Yeah, I thought there was one that was like a much smaller guy. I could be mixing it up. But I know the, Brent's later. Ra- I think it was later second round. Might have been third round. Um, Tredavious Hodges Tomlinson out of TCU is five okay. eight. Yeah. Five eight. Yeah. Okay. But just but just you know sticking with it. Like how how are you grading like your combination? What what are you looking at? I'm trying to look at overall talent. Okay, so so sure. I'm looking at at their athletic ability, size. I guess comes into consideration a little bit in terms of where you're going to project them going and fitting in the league. So if you're a smaller corner, you're probably going to be limited to the slot. Yeah, and you know, so like Hodges Tomlinson, slot guy. I thought that Asante Samuel Jr. a couple of years ago, I thought that I was going to be a slot guy, and he ended up playing on the boundary. He's got the athletic ability to make up for it. That was a learning lesson for me. I was like, oh dang, there's some guys that are smaller yeah. that can do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, what I'm looking at is overall ability. So I'm taking scheme out of it as much as I can and just trying to figure out, okay, is this guy a man, a zone, or primarily a press kind of corner? And taking those categories together and sort of, you know, press is pretty much required 
in any defense. You're going to go press sometimes. Some teams like to press more than others. Right. Um, some teams like to play more zone than they do man. Some teams like to play man more than zone. But ultimately, you want to mix up the coverages. So combining those three together and figuring out, okay, well, who can do all of them the best? All three types of co- basic coverage. I see. And then looking at the athletic ability, can they tackle? Are they willing as run defenders? Do they have the strength to hold up in, against receivers, against, you know, if they have a tight end come down and hit them or how do they handle that size typically helps with that, but there's, there's all kinds of little things like that. So I'm just taking an overall picture and okay. saying, okay, here's who this guy is. He's I'll use the, the example that you mentioned, I think with um, Diggs. Diggs is primarily a zone guy who's very aggressive. That's why he looks great some days <laughs> and he doesn't others. Right. Cause sometimes when you're aggressive, you're going to give up big plays, right? You try to make an interception instead of knock the ball away and that ball goes through your hands and it goes for a catch and a touchdown. It went for a touchdown because you went for the catch and you ended up on the ground while the dude took off running. And right. You kind of see that a lot with Diggs. Uh, so with Brents, you've got a guy that's primarily a zone guy. He can play some man. We saw that at the Senior Bowl. Um, Kansas State didn't do a lot of man right. pers- in their scheme. Yeah. And he is big, he's physical, and he's an athletic freak for that size. So you look at a guy that just got drafted last year, uh, by the Seahawks. Um, oh, yeah. Woolen. Woolen, Tariq Woolen, big, tall, freakish athlete at corner. We so I think that's that. what you're kind of hoping that yeah. Brent becomes. I don't know if he's a – I don't know how much he impacts year one, but that's what you're hoping for. All right, country, you circled around now. You good? You don't have your beer tonight, so I think that's the problem. <laughs> that, that probably is that probably is the problem that I had to brush home. There's a bridge that's shut down over there in Louisville, so I'm getting home later and later every night now, so – I got you. So yeah, I had to rush home, didn't really have time to prepare, but um No, you good. So uh so I guess my question will become now as if you're you know, if you were the Colts, you know, if you were Chris Ballard looking at Brent's, you know, Gus Bradley's in your ear, whatever. So you pretty much answered all the question, but my question becomes like do you take the would you like hope he was at a certain spot earlier in the draft or do you just think like, um, you know, you'll take him when you get him type deal. I think that your mentality is if you like a guy, he's your guy, go get him. You know, I think that there's a lot of draft analysts that hated the lions draft, for example, in the first round because they took a running back at 12 and took a linebacker at 18. Well, those were their guys. And so if that's your guy and you like him, you know that you can scheme with them and you want to do different things with them, go get him. That's my mentality. And so um, with the Colts, like if if Brents is their guy and they traded back down because they knew that he was going to be there, or they had a good feeling he was going to be there. Cool. Do it. Right. Uh, I think they get traded some capital back down, with it. They, they traded back down twice, didn't they? Before they yeah. grabbed Brents. It was great. Because yeah, you're you're expecting too at the, at the beginning of day two, you're expecting the run on wide receivers, tight ends. And then I think there, uh, there were some there were other couple other guys that were up top. But that's what you were. Everybody was sort of expecting this run on wide receivers because there was a lot of day two talent. Uh, even though four had come off the board in the first round, they were expecting the tight ends to start falling real fast, uh, which they did. Myers, Laporta came off real fast. Uh, Porter came off the board. Joey Porter came off at the beginning of the round. Will Levis. So you know, you took a they took a bet, and it was that we're going to move back to here, and our guy will be there, and he was. 
Yeah, and, and Balor does that a lot. I mean, we've learned that talking to him, we've learned that watching him. Like he takes he takes that risk. And I think that's what's cool to learn about the process is that we're only looking at the number of the round where really they're looking at there's five, six guys that can be here. Right. And so we're happy with either one of these five, six guys versus us being locked in on one, usually mm-hmm. as fans. So learn that during uh, our last uh with the first pick. That was pretty, pretty cool to see. Um yeah. okay, well, they, get, they picked up some crazy talent in the Man. back end with all those picks. I mean yes, they did. Then, yeah, I think that's how we're gonna end. Uh but we'll we'll before we get to that, uh the last guy we'll talk about um for time reasons is you know, this was Reggie Wayne's favorite receiver, you know, and that being Josh Downs. And, um, you know, a lot of times you think about, you know, the guy that we select and we always talk about what the Colts need in wide receiver. And traditionally, Chris Ballard hasn't done so great in that <laughs> in that area since he's been there now. So what is your thoughts on Josh Downs? And if you could give us a comparison to a player in the league. Oh, comparisons I'm not good at unless oh. it's straight up obvious to me. You I know? Got okay. um, because because comps are the, the one of the issues with comps that I've found is. When you put a name on him, people start thinking, oh, he's that player. No, 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 no. He's that type of player. Yeah, okay. Right. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, some guys are, are better at, at, at it than other guys. Okay. I'm just saying that that's the type of player that he is. But I don't have a one that screams at me with Josh. The biggest question with Josh is can he play on the boundary? Um, he's 5'9, 175, if I remember correctly. And that's not great size. Absolutely. Out of the guys that were in this class that were under 5'10", I really thought that Zay Flowers was the only one that I thought for sure was going to be able to play on the boundary. Okay. Um, if he can play on the boundary, that's a steal. If he's limited to the slot because he doesn't have the physicality to, to beat, to win press on the outside, that's going to be a problem, I think. Uh, especially with the way that small slots are sort of dying in the league at the moment. Everybody's trying to go to a bigger slot receiver I've because you know, Chase Claypool comes into the league in yeah, 2020 that. or whatever it was and catches 10 touchdowns as a rookie, just running up the seam every play, you know, and yeah. that, that size mismatch when you've got your nickel defender in there is something else because a lot of nickel defenders are typically smaller. That's changing too now. So because that's changing, the small slot receivers are kind of dying. Um, I I hope he's got it up to play on the boundary. I'm not sold. This is the one pick, I think, in their draft that I kind of look at, and I'm like, I don't know about this one, guys, uh, because wow. okay. I, I don't know if – like, obviously, he's got the speed, and Sam Howell loved him, and Howell talked about how he was the best guy, the best receiver they ever played with, and blah, blah, blah. I just I I don't know. You got to be you got to have a level of physicality, I think, at the receiver position, and I don't know if Downs has that. Even with his even with his tape showing, like he said, he lives in the middle. He loves going over the middle. So, so when you say physicality, you just mean like maybe getting off of coverage because I mean he's not afraid to go on the inside and get hit. Oh yeah, no, I'm talking about getting through press. Right? right. If I'm gonna play, if I'm a corner and I'm gonna play press inside leverage on you. Can you get past me? Am I going to manhandle you? Like yeah. that's kind of where I, I think his play strength is lacking. I got and you. when you're in college, you don't get a lot of opportunities to show what you can do against physical press because a lot of teams don't play that at all. They play off. 
So that means you get a free release. And when you got a free release and you're just, you just got to catch a ball over the middle and maybe get hit by a linebacker. I got you. That's yeah. easy. Now that'd be interesting to, uh, to definitely watch. Cause you know, I don't know if we, if we even look at him to the outside because of Pittman and Pierce and whatever, but if we do, I mean, maybe the the tape of Ty Hilton, right? Ty Hilton's five nine, five ten, started on the outside. Yeah, I think he, yeah, he's closer to five eleven if I'm thinking. But yeah, yeah. yeah so I don't know. We'll see. That's that's he's interesting. faster than Hilton. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So mm-hmm. that's cool. I I just thought that you know, like you know, when Reggie Wayne, you know, broke him down and grading, like, look, this is my favorite receiver of the whole thing. Period. You know, of course, I don't know what Reggie's thinking when he's saying that, but he just said, like, you know, basically it was how he's getting in and out of breaks. You know, his route combinations, they were easy for him. Um, you know, footwork, amazing. So, you know, I don't know if Reggie sees him as an outside guy. Maybe he understands being an offense one year, like, look, this is where we lacked last year. A lot of stuff wasn't happening, right? Like, mm-hmm. a lot of guys are open, or maybe not, but the line was trash. So, Matt Ryan's looking out of his ear hole. Like, um, yeah, Matt Ryan had all kinds of like he was physically degrading throughout the entire year. You're watching his arm die through every yeah. throw. I went to the Jags game in Jacksonville, and I was that was week two. And I was texting the boys, like, this is not Matt Ryan we watched in the summer. Like, this dude is already out of gas in week two. So, I don't know, Pat, but what you what's your thoughts on downs? You got a question for the Vogel? Uh, no, but I'm going to make a statement. I think this is the one kid out of this draft that's going to surprise the shit out of you. From the videos that I've seen from uh, rookie camp to OTAs now, this kid has done nothing but impress the shit out of me. And I, I think by the by the by the end of the season, you're going to say, "Yeah, that that fat bald guy, he, he was on to something. <laughs> he's, he's really changing." <laughs> I knew I'd get it. There he goes. Uh, but no, I really think oh he will God. he will step up to every plate that's thrown at him. Absolutely. I'm I just, all for I dudes. just see it, man. Yeah, I'm all for dudes proving me wrong. You know, I think that that's 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 part of it what makes this fun, right? Is yeah. they don't have to prove me wrong. That's not why they're doing it, but I like seeing dudes prove me wrong because that's a lesson that I get to learn, right? And I can take that and apply it somewhere and make it better. Um, Lamar Jackson, for example, we, you mentioned him off the top of the break. That's one of the biggest misses I, I had in his evaluator. That was back in the beginning when I was just getting started with it. But looking at it going, you know, looking back at it, <laughs> like, man, I had, I missed on it. So, cause I didn't think he could play quarterback at the next level. And obviously he can, cause he's an MVP, you know? Right. And so that's where I, I think, I was able to correct my school of thought into seeing that, hey, this is a type of quarterback that can work in the NFL. You just have to build the offense with them. And if you get a guy that he's going to a place that they will build an offense around him like that, you're going to see that success. And teams have started to pick up on that. That's why you're seeing uh, – well, hopefully we're going to see Justin Fields really start to throw well this year. But Jalen Hurts um, – I know that there's a couple other athletic guys. I just can't think of who they are off the top of my head right now because those are the big guys. Patrick Mahomes even a little bit. You have to design an offense around him. Teams are understanding that now. It's not about the coach and his system. It's about, hey, how can you get this guy and unlock everything that he can do, all his potential. And to your credit, no, no shot at the at the Titans. I know the Titans are part sick too, but like you've seen that with Mariota, right? Like people mm-hmm. thought Mariota would transition and he just didn't. I mean, not that he was as fast as, you know, Lamar Jackson or anything like that, but it's like he came from an offense where it's like 
run pass option, you know, I can create, you know, whatever, and then get to the league, a couple good moments here and there. But overall, it's just a quarterback. Like, it just didn't, you know. Yeah, and they tried to put him in the pocket and yeah. make him throw from the pocket and just yeah. use his athleticism as a scrambler. That's not how he that's not how he plays football. He needed to be wide open all the time. Uh Acosta, you got a you got a question about Josh Downs? I sure do. Uh so I like how you like subcategoried, you know, the smaller receivers. So as an analyst, you know, looking at a receiver 5'11, you know, or smaller, um as an analyst, what are you looking at? you know, going into the draft, what will you be looking at in a smaller, like p- potentially slot receiver? Electric athleticism. Um, smooth breaks, good release. Uh, you got you to be great now, you know, to, to be a smaller guy and play in the NFL at that position. Um, the more electric the athlete, the better. And you kind of look at at some guys that were smaller that went early, like Zay Flowers. I mentioned him off the top of the break. Zay Flowers is probably my favorite receiver in the class. And it's because I know that after the catch, he can be a running back in the open field. He's going to break tackles. He's going to juke people. And he's got the speed to be ridiculously crazy. And so all you really have to do is Zay. You can do it from the boundary. You can do it from the slot. It doesn't matter. You can do it from the backfield if you want. As a running back, I don't care. You just got to scheme him to space. And there are guys that have been very successful that are bigger than him, um, like Debo Samuel. That's a guy that you scheme mm-hmm. him to space, he's going to make something happen with it. And I watch Zay do that over and over and over and over again at Boston College. So, uh, like, Zay, like if you're the type of athlete that Zay is, you're going to be successful. Ultimately, if you're a smaller guy, you want to be able to play on the boundary and prove that you can do that. Yeah, That's a very, very, very hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can't do that, look at the guys that also got picked. Trey Tucker out of Cincinnati. Um, Darius Davis out of TCU. These guys went to the Senior Bowl and showed off their route running ability and just their ability to get off a release, to get through press clean and being so quick and so smooth off everything that defenders can barely get their hands on them. That's the type of athletic ability that you got to have to be at that point. Does Downs have some of it? Yeah, I think so. I just think that Darius Davis, Trey Tucker, Zay Flowers, those guys are all more athletic and quicker than him. No, that's uh, great points. I think about the slot. You can go all the way back. Uh, but you remember when like a guy in the, in the 90s, like Don Beebe was the guy, right? And then you see where we are now when it comes to like how people play in the slot. And just like you said, you have to be explosive and those type of things, man. So the game has definitely evolved. It definitely has changed a lot. You know, Wells Welker for years, Edelman for years, uh, mm-hmm. those type of guys. And uh, those guys are still very much around. Um, but then just just looking at the new level, because like you said, scheming the space, you know, I take somebody like Tariq Hill, right? Like you've seen him constantly put on muscle and because when he first came in it wasn't that he was tiny he always had powerful legs but you've seen his arms get jacked like you know just fighting with people on the line and whatnot and inside outside space running back whatever like now that guy can just do anything man so he's definitely becoming in a lot of ways i think the blueprint for what we want there because that dude mm-hmm. lightning in a bottle right change the yeah, game. It's, it's always nice to have a sub four three forty that you can run that's always <laughs> a very, that's always a plus absolutely yeah. <laughs> we need that. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> all right, man. So we've been talking for a minute. Before we get out of here, we gotta ask, and I, I maybe you don't know all our our picks right offhand, but who is your favorite uh, 
Colts player picked this year and who you think has the highest upside? I think that'll be my favorite pick outside of Richardson. Cause I said, that's where I wanted him to go the most uh, be Tommy out of Barway at Northwestern. Okay. That's a dude. That's my boy. That's, that's my boy a dude. right there. You know, he's awesome. Not just because he went to the combine and he just blew it up, but I mean, at six one, when you have a wingspan of a guy six 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 seven, holy cow! Like you want to talk about some length, ways yeah. to create separation. So the thing with him that he's going to have to learn is his uh, hand technique coming off the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And so it was funny because I saw I talked to him at the Senior Bowl, and I had asked. We were walking like waiting on an elevator at the Renaissance or something. And I just said, I said, you know, so what's your plan kind of look like when you're going into a, a rep? He said to win. I was like, that's great. Mm-hmm. But how are you going to do that? And he goes, by any means possible. <laughs> I said, okay, okay. I love the enthusiasm, but here's the thing, man. I was like, cause when you're attacking a, a tackle, that's going to set you up a certain way. How are you going to attack him? Like, what's your plan? I was like, dude, you're playing chess. You got to go into a rep. You got to mm-hmm. win. Right. But you got to, you got to set him up. I said, you got the, you got the speed, you got the length. You can go speed to power, speed to power, speed to power. Keep pushing him outside, get him to overstep one play. And all of a sudden that's when you come with your inside counter, you rip under him and bam, you're in the quarterback's lap. You see him thinking, he's like, Oh yeah, no, he's starting to think about it. And I said, yeah, dude, I said, you're a pro now. That's the difference between a pro and an amateur. And so I run into him at the combine. And first thing he says, I've been watching some Aaron Donald. (laughs) (laughs) So, hey, that's a good one to be watching to learn how you with your hands, you know. Uh, So I like Tommy. I think that he's got a really super high upside. Now, if we're talking about the highest upside, it's it's uh, it's Jake Witt, the seventh round pick. Really? So I was hearing about that's interesting. I know I was hearing about Witt back in January, but I couldn't get any tape on the guy. Uh. His agents kept hitting me up as Randy Gregory. He was like, hey, you got to talk about this guy, blah, blah, blah. It's now I'm like, get me some tape. I can't find anything. And nobody could get me tape. So he gets drafted in the seventh round. And then I got some opinions on it that, you know, hearing from some people. And uh, he's an athletic freak is what he is. Um, he put on some weight when he got to northern Michigan. Uh, he was running like a f- sub 4940 at 305 pounds, which is – you know, right. crazy, crazy athletic ability. Tiny. Uh, and he's pretty strong too. Yeah, he's he's an ex tight end. Yeah. Um, so he's just put the weight on. Jake Witt, if he if he develops properly, I'm not saying you're not gonna see him on the field for the next couple of years, I don't think. But if he can stick around and work the practice squad, develop, man, that's he's got the potential to be a real solid swing tackle. Swing tackle. And so where do you like him? Do you like him left? Do you like him right? Right. I like him right. Yeah. Okay. Like Run blocker. Too. Yeah. Yep. That's 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 exactly where I see him. Um, I mean, because we're gonna see what 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 the kid in, in year two is gonna do. We're talking about Raymond. Um, he showed I mean he started rough, right? Lost his starting spot, got back in there, um, played a little bit better. Um, so hopefully we'll see if if he's gotten a little bit, you know, tighter with all his mechanics and a little bit crisper. But uh yeah, the line last year was never we talked about this all the time. Never did we think we would miss Glowinski. Costanzo, like so much. Don't get me wrong; those guys were great in eighteen. Like, but I was like, yeah, Glow can probably be replaced. Man, right, right tackle, <laughs> right guard last year. Even Braden, I think he suffered because he's just like the dude next to me. Like, he's not doing shit. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do to compensate. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just, it was just a wild ride. Thinking that just a few years ago, like we were one, two in the league when it comes to you know 
offensive line and all the way down at the bottom of the basement. Now it's crazy. So I don't know. Ryan Kelly didn't play well either. Shit, it was just bad, man. It's <laughs> just bad. But okay, man. This has been fun, bro. You guys, you guys got any last reattacks for we let uh draft vocal? Matter of fact, when is your sto- when is your show start with sick? We're working a date. It'll be starting in June. Okay. It will okay. be in June. Awesome. Yep. Okay, cool. Pat, you got anything? Love the coach jacket, by the way. That's like vintage. It's like vintage right there, man. What kind of bourbon you drinking? Not bourbon. Moonshine. Moonshine. Tennessee. Yeah, this is uh it huh? is Tennessee. It's yeah, Smith it Creek. Okay. And it's chocolate silk. And oh, it was wow. a gift. Uh I work at a radio station part-time, and I had to sit in and DJ for a week for a guy. And uh that's what he came back from his vacation and gave me was some of this stuff. It's out of uh East Tennessee, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. Nice. It's well, legit. It's legit. Acosta is our uh he's our bourbon <laughs> guy. Like if you ever seen his bar, it's ridiculous. Like, I mean, there's not, there's not a piece of yeah, space. Can't pick it up here. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna show it off now. That oh <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, you know, so so I've seen a bar that's about a personal bar that's about half that size. And if I'm a Catholic and it was the priest, <laughs> <laughs> that's what everybody gets him at Christmas. So it's like, oh, father likes some alcohol. They go buy him something, and he's just got this stack of it now. So that's awesome. <laughs> Oh my God. All right, man. Well, this has been another great sick pat sick podcast anvil show. Thank you for your time, Draft Vogel. Can't wait to see your show. Boys, as always, it's been real. Sammy, get us out of here. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast anvil show on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.